Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hi, howdy, what's going on? <laughs> it's been a long night, can you tell? Little Charlie decided to have a dance party. Still kind of dance partying. I think he's in a growth spurt. Anyway, <laughs> hope you're having a wonderful week. And uh, a bit of a reminder, if you haven't done so, um, if you are keen on the show, don't forget to subscribe to the PJ Podcast wherever you get your potties and leave a review because I know it sounds silly, but every little bit helps when it comes to podcasting. All right, let's get on to today's guest. Um, now, if you're in New Zealand, no doubt, you know the name of Brody Kane. Um, she is one third of the Girls Uninterrupted podcast, fantastic podcast, if you haven't already listened to it. Um, and on the show today, we talk about her move from a commercial radio job to actually starting her own media company. We talk about her love for a challenge, uh, her being in the army, and um, we talk about how she really bravely opened up earlier this year um, about a personal story which resonated with many, many women around the country. Brody is awesome and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm keeping it short because my baby is tired. How are you, Brody? Oh, yeah, bloody good, dolls. Bloody good. Oh, uh, yeah, God, you've just yeah. been bloody everywhere. Like, what a what a big year for you so far. I know, it, like... I don't know, it doesn't, it's like oh, February feels like it was the other day. Is that when you moved to Auckland? Yeah. You made the big move from Christchurch? Yeah. That, how, so it's like, oh, that was just the other day, but it's not. How was that? Because you've been in Christchurch for how many years now? I'd been there for, uh, moved down at the end of 2017. Yeah. Had I? Yes. End of 2017, moved down there and then what moved back? Yeah, so four and a half years. Were you sad to leave? Was it? Was no. it oh, were you ready? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Were you feeling like a big fish in a little pond and you wanted to be a little fish in a big pond? No. <laughs> but I was, well, I was living at Waikoku Beach. Yeah. Which is half an hour north of Christchurch. Yeah. And I was living with mum, which was wonderful. God, I love your mum. How is she? She's fantastic. Good. We had a great, great time. Waikoku Beach has about, I think it's about six or 700 people, so quite small. Yeah. And so I was really just, real, like, working, obviously, but in a very kind of relaxed environment. And you needed motivation. 
And I was like, I'm a 35-year-old single woman living in a little beachside settlement <laughs> with my mother. I need to go. I need to go. <laughs> hey, it can work for some people, and I actually reckon you were rocking it. Like, you made it look cool. You made oh, me want to move back in with my mum. Yeah, and it was very cool. Yeah. Like, it was very, very but cool. But you are ready but, for, um, for more. Yeah, and then, and then because she's so, because she's such a, like, huge part of my life and people see that. So we have such a great relationship and basically we just were entertaining each other. So we're just like, oh, we'll just chuck funny. I'll just, well, basically I'll just chuck funny things of her being funny up on Instagram. Yeah. So when I said that I was moving, people were like, oh, my God, what are you going to do without your mum? And I'm like, <laughs> actually, you guys are the ones that are struggling more than us. So we're, we're absolutely fine. We're okay, yeah. We haven't lived together for 35 years. It's just been since the pandemic. So... We're, good, we're quite good. We're quite ready for this. So <laughs> it was this like, perception oh, no. that you were joined to the hips and you never lived apart. But you're like, yeah. actually, guys, no. Nah, this has just yeah. been like a short-lived thing. And then people go, do you miss each other? And we're like, no, we talk every day. It's <laughs> absolutely fine. Like, we're good. So coming back to Auckland, because you were Auckland is where your whole career started. Is it? Where did you actually start out? Yeah, my first job was at Radio Live, which... Yeah has evolved into numerous stations since uh, back at the end of 2007. So I left, I finished um, my diploma, graduate diploma in journalism at Canterbury and moved straight up to Auckland. It's a, how old was I? 2007, 21. Yeah. Yeah, 21. Moved up to Auckland and started working there. And so it was quite interesting because... You know, I hadn't spent a lot of time in Auckland, but it was like, off we go. And one of my mates, actually, uh, who was working at Radio Works in Christchurch at the time, she also got a job uh, up there. So we found a flat together. Perfect. And, that yeah, that's a, quite a lot, 15-odd years ago, isn't it? And then when did you start working for TVNZ? TVNZ was basically uh, 2012 because I went overseas uh, in 2011. Mm-hmm. And did a bit of an OE. And then um, I was in London. So I did all sorts of amazing travel. And then I parked up in London after about, yeah, about six months of traveling. Then I moved to London and was like, right, okay, let's see what happens here. And basically what happened there was my first job uh, was I was a silver service waitress. Hadn't done any waitressing <laughs> before. Um, and that was about six pounds an hour, which is, I don't know if it's half, it's about $12 an hour. Yeah. And then the second job was in a little clothing boutique and that was £7.20 an hour. And so I was living and living dossing on the couch with some mates. Fun though, yeah, was, like life experience. Oh, How good. Time of my life, time of my life. I had a great time. Yeah. Then just got to the point where I was like, okay, I think it was different as well because I'd already worked for, like, it's not like I just left uni and went straight, straight over there. I'd sort of experienced working and like earning a living yeah and so after a while the novelty did wear off in terms of i would like to, i'd like to get a haircut <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'd like to buy more than a three pound bottle of wine maybe and and i missed the journalism like i started to miss it yep. so i started applying for jobs back home and then you yeah, got got a job offer like had an interview and then got a job offer for q a on tvnz and so was a great job offer and so I was like okay I'm coming home so I came home and started that in about March 2012 
And was that like getting on TV, being journalist, was that always the the pinnacle? I wanted to, I still wanted to be like a foreign correspondent. Like I wanted to go and the thought of it's quite terrifying now, but I was like, I need to go and be and cover some war. Yeah. I think that's quite dangerous to be quite honest when you think about it now. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I wanted to go travel and and report from, from overseas. You know, that was my sort of ultimate. Yeah. Because um, you'd been in then, the army, eh? Yes, yes. Is that uh, what kind of like fueled that? No. No? no that was no? always there. No, no, that was always there. I remember like watching women like Anita McNaught on the news, you know, uh, over in the Middle East, just thinking, wow, look at how inc- the incredible job she's doing. I'd love to go and do that. Yeah. Um. So it was always there. The, no, the, the army was sort of like a, a random, it was very random, the army, because I, I had literally gone in seventh form to like a week out at Burnham Military Camp in Christchurch just for basically for shits and giggles. Yeah. Like to just see what it was. I was like, oh, I want to see if this is like the movies. And it kind of was. You're like, oh, gosh, she's running in the mud and getting yelled at, and this is awesome. And then, then then, they were like, hey, we'd really like you to join the army. And I was like, oh, okay. And so then I went away and did this, this further big thing and at Trentham for officer selection, and then you got selected to go to Wairu and be in the officers, um, oh the officer cadet God. school. How, so how long were you in there for? So I, was, I ended up being in the territorials for four years. Shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Went, went overseas. Went overseas to Brunei on a jungle training exercise. That's while I was at, that was in my first year at uni. That must have shaped you so much as a human. Yeah, it was um it's quite fascinating because obviously I was like when I first when I went on my basic training before uni, I was 17. So I was like young and you sort of we're like, oh, yeah, we'll just see what's happening. You know, you, yeah. you don't tend to overthink things as much as you would no. probably now. Yeah, I can but imagine. It's probably really good that you didn't overthink. Yeah, you were just like, rightio, pack your bag, let's go. Yeah. See you later, Mum, good, good to catch up. And and then away you went. And the basic training was two months and really, 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 really hard, but kind of amazing as well, like, because it was very much, when I look back at that now, very much a good challenge in terms of balancing out your the challenge between your mental and physical ability yes do things really tough and so I think that was probably quite good in the long term is is learning pretty early on how far you can push yourself yeah well because you love a good little a challenge eh? like when it comes to physical and all those kind of endurance things like I feel like you're always entering new events did that come from that experience do you think when you realized how far you could push yourself and you acquired this discipline where you're like mate I can't waste my life I need to actually have these things to test me I'd kind of always done like we're a really sporty family and both mum and dad are, you know, have done some pretty amazing athletic achievements in their time. So it was, we were always really active. And then mm. I was quite, you know, was quite heavily involved in surf lifesaving in my teens um, and sort of competed, you know, won a few national titles. And so was heavily like active in my teens, but I think the the army experience instilled some pretty valuable kind of, lessons in terms of basically one of the main ones was the more that you have your shit squared away the better you can be as a person mm-hmm. out, outwardly you know like it's something as tiny as 
like, and it's, I didn't invent this, by the way, but, you know, just making your <laughs> bed. Claim it. <laughs> the first thing I do when I get up, you know, is make my bed. Yes. Because if your room's kind of squared away, then that's sort of a re- reflection upon how you're going to carry out the rest of the day type thing. And also, like, time management and, mm. and just self-discipline. Those are the things that I think have carried through um, I'm from the army, but yeah, definitely like how far you can push yourself. I learned that pretty early. Oh gosh. With that, um, you know, making a bed and having all that kind of time management and stuff that must've been really crucial when you moved from being employed to becoming your own employer. Like, have you found you've had to be really strict with yourself? Cause fuck, I've moved into kind of a similar place and it's really easy <laughs> to get lost. eh? Oh, Yes, because it's a it's a really tricky one of what am I doing? Mm. How what is it supposed to look like? Yes. When do I need to do this? There's no sort of deadline. It all falls back know. on you. Yeah, but I also think you've got to find the balance of not being too hard on yourself because yeah. I feel like when you're out on your own, there's an added pressure that you need to sort of ignore, which is okay. People are watching what I'm doing because because people are intrigued as to whether I can make this work or not. Um, within the industry, obviously. Mm. So you're you're aware of that, but sort of you need to kind of shut that out. Like for me, I keep like a really, like I live by my calendar. Yeah. And so I'll try and have, because you're never not on either. You're, you're all, people don't realise as well, like, you know, you're, you're always on. You're searching and, for content. You're and, and thinking, you're oh, on, what can I be doing when, next? When you're on Instagram and that, you're, perfor- you, yep. you're, you're performing for people. Like when I say performing, just as yourself. Perform monkey. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're never not on. Yes. So if I go, right, I'm re- I'm going I'm to pack all my work into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I'm, you know, I try and actually get into a good habit of that, of, of mm. trying to have Friday as a really low-key day. Because yeah. I'm like, well, I can get up at six and, smash out four hours and then I'm going to take the middle of the day and go for a run Mm -hmm. and then most of my podcast recordings are in the evening so just trying to find your balance is is really really key so I go I need if if I want this to work in a long-term format I have to be kind to myself and you can't do it all in the first year and you can't do it all in the second year possibly can't even do it all in third year yeah and and it's remembering that the biggest lessons that you're going to learn are probably from when you fuck up and when you fail and yes. that's kind of hard to stomach and, and it's hard to see as you're going through it because you just feel like the world's imploding and you're not doing as well as you wanted, but actually every mistake you're making, you're learning from, right? And I think that's really important. A really, really good piece of, of advice I got, and it was actually from my um, old PT down in Christchurch, Essie. And he was, you know, like I'd go training with him and which would often double as therapy sessions. Yes. Oh and, my God, I love a PT that's also oh, like so yeah, good at listening. You're literally doing your bicep curls <laughs> and almost like four, you're like, oh, what am I doing with my life? You know, yep, yep. Yeah. Quite often. Yeah. Quite often. I, I remember like, so he was, you know, I was training with him in the in the early days of like, what what is Brody Kane Media and what am I doing? And mm-hmm. I remember saying to him, oh, I've got to do this and, then I, I need to get this off the ground and I and I've got, I really, you know, I was telling him all these different things and he's like, okay, so I'm going to give you a bit of advice. You can, you can listen to it or not, but you sound like you're trying to do all of these things at the same time and it doesn't sound like you've got a handle on any of them because you're overthinking too much about thinking that you need to achieve them all at the same time. Why don't you prioritise them? What's number one? What's number two? What's number three? What must you do now? And then that doesn't mean that you're forgetting about the other ones, but if you focus on the biggest priority, 
then you can get that one sorted and do a good job of that. And so I actually did take that on and it's actually been a really important piece of advice because you go, oh, okay, so right now, for instance, for me is upskilling and getting some really good sponsorship packages going for the podcasts under Brody Kane Media, right? Yeah. And so that's priority number one. Now, that's great. There's other things. And then obviously that's there. But if something like an amazing opportunity comes, you can keep that bubbling, but go and do that. Or the next thing, oh, I'm going to do, you know, so one thing, doing a good job once at a time is has been really, really helpful because otherwise you're like I've got too much I need to achieve now yes because if you're always looking at that big picture you don't actually realize how far you've come and you don't actually go oh my god I this is what I set out to achieve shit like imagine if a year ago you knew that you were going to achieve that and you just don't you don't appreciate how far you've come yeah and you you need to reflect on it probably a bit more than you do because when you're out on your own you can often just you're sort of in your vortex but if you sort of peel back, and that's why it's really important to have a group, you know, a, a select few of people that mm. are kind of like your brain's trust. You Sounding know, like, board. Yeah, because yep. otherwise if you don't sort of check in and figure out, hey, what do you think of all of this, then you can sort of lose objectivity. Mm. So the conception of Brody Kane Media, you had come out of working in radio. Mm-hmm. Is that, was it, what was the sort of downtime between that and what was when you realised that you kind of wanted to go out on your own? Well, it was quite funny because we, I was in Christchurch working with Fitzy on the hits and we'd been working together on breakfast radio for just over two years. Yeah. And so it must have been early February. And at that time in New Zealand, I think most places were sort of, we're just watching, still watching what was happening with COVID, but it was like, oh, no, we're not, we're not hugely concerned. Yeah. You know, I mean, it all happened really quick. But anyway, being made redundant was the most out of the blue surprise. <laughs> um, yeah. We always joked about, I mean, you've worked in Aussie radio. We've always j- joked about Australian radio being ruthless. <laughs> ruthless. And sometimes your white envelopes just literally left on your desk. Yeah. And so... Fitzy and I walked into this room and HR's there and, and our boss and these white envelopes. And we were like, no, you're joking. Is that the white envelope? Like we were so. You I joked about like, it and you'd never actually think it would happen to you. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, is this, is this real? And I remember the day so well. And I remember like I was wearing a, just a hoodie and some <laughs> sort of like Lulu lemon bike shorts, you know. Like, and, yeah. yeah. Comfortable. And was like, oh my God. Wow. Shit, I did not expect that at all today when I came to work. What was the um, countdown time to when you were actually leaving the job? Like how much notice did they give you? From memory, we finished up a few weeks. Like not, we didn't do that much longer. Yeah. Like a few weeks. Once the sort of. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, we were like, no, thank you. Yeah. So I think we finished about three-ish weeks later or something. And then it was like, then the pandemic just went bang. A couple of weeks later, we went into lockdown kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and then you were like, shit, what the fuck do I do with myself? People were losing their jobs in the media industry everywhere. Yeah. And I sort of, and I went and did lockdown with mum because I was living in my place in town, but my flatmate, Jordan, was a, a one news reporter and she got sent down to Dunedin. I was like, I am not doing lockdown in my, in my house by myself. So yeah. I moved out to Waikuku. <laughs> And so the first kind of couple of weeks were really unsettling because it was that lack of control. Yes. Just like, what am I going to do? But we had lots of long walks and 
chats and discussions. And then I sort of calmed down. Like I was like, oh, well, it's not often that you literally don't have to do a thing. So I really, the last sort of three weeks of that lockdown, oh, wow, no, they were, it was longer than that, wasn't it? Um, however long remaining, I just really sat in it. I was like, this is fabulous. I'm just going to get <laughs> up and walk. And I, ra- you know, ran a lot. And Yeah, because you wouldn't have been able to do that because you'd been working pretty hard for a long time. Yeah, and so I was just like, this is actually great. And then we had, uh, me and your beloved um, dear bestie, Caitlin and Gracie, had already said that we'd keep going with our podcast and we rebranded because, we, you know, obviously we'd been recording at NZME, but yeah. we rebranded. And so that was one of the sort of tasks that I we got off the ground. So we relaunched in the middle of lockdown, which was amazing. Wow. And then it was like, okay, well, this is quite a successful podcast. Yeah. So what if I start another one and what if a long-term goal is to sort of create some more? You, you know enough people to try and sort of get some other work and mm. which was tricky because, it was again, it was like we were all dealing with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. But, yeah, we just sort of, I just sort of chipped away and, and did a bit of stuff within my um, social media, which is how you sort of pay your bloody mortgage. Yeah, um, as, as soul-destroying as it can be sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but it literally, is, it's yeah. literally how you pay your rent, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and people um, forget that. People forget that when they look at people well, from an outside perspective sometimes. And the, and the thing is, with I mean, with social media, there's so much good that can be done with with, so, with social media. Yeah. And then obviously there's always someone that ruins something in, yes. in, in any bloody space. But yeah. The reality is the, the things that I will do now are completely different to what I would have done like four or five years ago. And so you're very careful and selective in terms of what you do. But ultimately what people don't realise is if I do something on social media, that will literally, I'm not even exaggerating, pay my bills mm-hmm. and things for for that month and 80% of the work that I do, I'm not getting paid for. So yeah. when people realise that and you go, most of the things that you're doing and you're like, I can see the end <laughs> yes, game. You're, you're, you're getting paid peanuts for it. But yeah. it's like a long-term game. And I guess that yeah. social media revenue actually gives you the money to fuel that other passion of what yeah. you're working on long-term. But you don't see a, much initially. And it's a side hustle. So, you, you <laughs> yeah. know, people know that, but there's an extra element of judgment when it's something to do with social media. But I think, you know, that's just part of it. And yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's talk about Dancing with the Stars, you bloody dancing queen. How amazing was that? I was so freaking jealous. That just looked such an epic experience. 
It's the most insane, like fantastic, but wild experience I've ever had. You are, so you, the, the season was six weeks, but you had four weeks lead up training. So you're actually out of your comfort zone for 10 weeks. You don't realise it when you watch it, though, eh? Like, you look at the TV and you're like, I could do that. And you just completely underestimate how much work goes into it. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, mental? And like, do you reckon that was one of the toughest mental challenges you've ever been in? Absolutely, without question. Like, for me, I was already really, really fit because mm. I'd just been training for the coast to coast. So I was like, great, I'm in peak physical fitness, so that's cool. But the mental side of it and the brain fry. Yeah. So like you would, you, you just, I, I haven't experienced that, that that kind of type of exhaustion where a whole day of dancing and you were just like, I was like, I don't even, I can't even, I don't even, uh, you know, like just couldn't even cope with with conversations or anything. And, and did that get easier as time goes on? Like do you reckon your no, brain can't, no? No. <laughs> I was going to say, because like, is that initially just adapting because you're not used to it and like having so much information to process? No. 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 <laughs> just okay, right. Because, because I think, well, for me anyway, it wasn't actually till about the second to last week that I really acknowledged that I had improved. Mm. I was very hard on myself. Mm. But, and it was a cycle, right? Because Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you're at the studio for like 12 hours <laughs> each day and you're... You're rehearsing the dance like five, six times in a row, back to back to back, so the cameraman and all that can get their sh- figure out their shots. So I don't think people realise that. So when that's you before to- you're actually on telly that night. Yeah. So on the Saturday you dance, and don't forget we dance two different dances. Yeah. So on the Saturday you do the dances at least five times over and over again, and then again on the Sunday. So the Saturday's like dress rehearsal. Uh, is your costume working and the directors are figuring out the shots. And then on Sunday, you have to do it again so the cameraman can practice to make it look like it looks on television. So you've danced 20 to 25 times before the telly. How do you get that real excitement like it's the first? Because when you watch it, it, you would have no clue. Yeah, well, funny thing is, at about 5 p.m. on the Sunday and similar time on the Monday, there's a, like a full full dress rehearsal. Yeah. And my dress rehearsals were always shocking. Something always went wrong, like, or I just, blew, my mind would just blow out and then yeah. I'd always be so pissed off. I'd be like, fuck, Enrique, fuck. And he's like, mate, <laughs> this happens every week. That's fine. Yeah. Because then something happens. When you walk out there. Yes. And there's an audience. Yes. And your your video from the week is playing on the th- thing. That actually calms you down as well because you're just seeing yourself being an absolute plonker. And you're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so it is quite, like, weird because you're just standing in your starting position waiting and the whole crowd's there. Oh. And it's quite dark and then you're just like, oh. And then it just, it just happens and you just have to, like, trust yourself. Yeah. And there's just a different... It's is it like an out-of-body like, experience? Yep. Yeah. It's like a different level. You just level. have to trust that it's everything you've learned is going to go into like a computer mode. You have mode. to like allow yourself to experience it because it goes so fast. Like the, my very first dance was a jive with that with Kylie Minogue. Yeah. And I was like, literally it ended and I was like, did we just, what? The, <laughs> oh my God, far out. So you had to like, as, you, as the weeks got on, it was like, embrace it, live in it, sit in yeah. it, you know? But, yeah, those live shows were wild. So by the time, then you'd get to the end and then Monday night someone would get sent home. It was sad 
and then you're exhausted because your sleep's been shit. And then you wake up on Tuesday and it's like, it's time to learn to Oh, my God. And then, of course, you'd learned a tango, and so you'd learned a ballroom, and you'd been, it was like, right, and you can, like, you can step on your heel and you can kind of stomp. And then it's like, right, this week we're doing a cha-cha-cha and I need your legs straight and you to point your toes. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. I've just learned this. What, what you know, so, so it didn't, so what no. What an experience, though. It did not get easier. Right. I, okay. I imagine the feeling of every time you go out, it's like swimming sports when you're standing on that little oh. fucking, oh my God, is that not just the worst feeling ever? And then the buzzer goes and you oh. nearly piss yourself. Like, I just feel like that's what it'd be like when you're about to go out. You have just taken me back to bloody Kiwi Poo and Christchurch. I'm triggered. The old school 50 metre pool and that ginormous stand with the concrete chairs. Yes. And then you couldn't do, you wouldn't get away with this now, but like you'd be so nervous because you'd watch another final. And one of the poor girls in lane two is wearing a bikini. And so the boys start chanting, lane two, da, 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 lane two. Oh, PJ. Oh, I went to an all girls school, so I never had any of that. Oh, gosh. These were like the regionals. Oh, no, I I never made it to the regionals for swimming. I tell you what, I made it to the regionals for athletics. Seventh in the South Island for discus. Mate. I know. It's quite solid. I know. Wasted talent. That was, yeah, that was sort of my claim to fame when it came to athletics. (laughs) I wouldn't have picked you as a discus thrower, but... um... I know, in shop, but I think I went to Canterbury. Right. I don't mean anything. I'm like this short little thing, and that yeah. was that was my talent. Amazing, but oh gosh, you've taken me. Yeah, that that, that was hilarious doing all those things at school. I know. Like, oh, made it to the like you do the school ones, and it'd be like oh the inter schools, and then the regionals. It was like but I miss it now. Like it's so funny when you're in it, you don't appreciate it, and you just want to leave school. And then you <laughs> leave school, and you're like, oh fuck, that was cool. It was actually awesome. Yeah. Because it was that was like that was all you had. It was like oh gosh, big week regionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even like school minutes. sport. I really miss the camaraderie and teamwork of being in a hockey team. Oh, I played hockey. Did you? Yeah, for Rangiora High School. Oh, I played for Rangiora. You probably smashed <laughs> us, maybe. <laughs> I'm trying to think. When did you? What year did you finish school? I finished school in 2000. My last year of school was 2003. Ah, uh, okay. I, I'm older than you, eh? No, no, no. I was, um, I was your eight. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Age is just a number, though, right? Exactly, exactly. Oh, good. Oh, hockey for Rangi, Rangiruru. Good. They were a yeah. good, good, strong team. Yeah, that was me. And then, um, yeah, like, I just feel like you do, you you take that stuff for granted at the time. You want to be out of it. And then you're at, out in the real world and you, you actually miss that kind of stuff. Mind you. I'm glad I'm not a young kid now with TikTok and whatnot. Like, oh. I'm glad we had our, our childhood and teenage years without technology. Like, I'm very grateful for that. I think about that all the time. I honestly, and I just think what it's like now. What's it going to be like in five years? TikTok might burn to the ground. I still I hope, hold out hope for that. I still ground. hold out hope for that. I hope so. But then there'll be the VR, the wee, like, full-on glasses oh. you just put on and you're in a reality world. Like, I won't. I promise you. Like, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> because I would rather just get out there and touch the grass, quite frankly. There will be no... We say that, but, like, how easy is it to be conditioned? You know? Yeah, well... Or do you think everything can have a, like, I, it's funny, it's funny, because I was talking to Brayden, who I live with, about yeah. TikTok, and I was saying the other day, I was just like, far out, man. You could post, 
like as someone that's studied journalism and, and loves storytelling and loves mm. pictures, like loves putting pictures together for stories, right? You could put up the most beautiful buddy. <laughs> fucking story with sweeping shots of beautiful <laughs> things or just you know telling a story yeah. and you'll get like 3,000 views or whatever on TikTok is so weird the reason I said it because I just literally put up like a seven second video having a meltdown about Love Island on a Monday being on the, <laughs> the unseen bits yeah. episode and how disappointing that is 70,000 views yeah what? I know I it's just it... killing the creative and he's like, yeah, but I think it'll burn out. And I'm like, I oh, bloody hope so. Because, But when you think about how things evolve, though, as well, in terms of um, it is the thing right now, but it'll, people will get sick and tired of seeing the Lizzo dance 17 trillion yes. times yes. And, and that being a thing. It'll, it'll, I, think it'll I like to think humanity goes in cycles, eh? Yes. Like, and, and maybe we will get to the point that we can't get any more ridiculous. <laughs> But I know what you mean about the views. Like, back in the day when I was, like, posting bikini shots and I was a thirsty singleton, fuck, I'd just post, like, a night. Like, you could do, like, a nice, beautiful view and it would be a stunning view that you couldn't see anywhere. <clears throat> that would get 100 likes. And then you post a bikini shot and it's thousands and thousands and you get interactions up and then you're like, well, fuck, what have I got to do? i got to post more bikini shots. And it's so bad. Don't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I yeah. know. Well, I think, like you, I sort of do have optimism that, it will work in cycles. It's got to implode. I think. I think everything's going to implode soon enough because yeah. we're just going to be like, we can't, we can't fuck it up anymore. It's quite easy to get cancelled. So, like TikTok, mm. it could run the risk of just canceling Cancelling itself. itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move into a slightly more serious topic. And excuse my really unsmooth segueing, but I do know that you shared a pretty personal story about your abortion experience. Had you ever opened up about this before? No, it was the first time that I had sort of shared my own personal experience. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd been quite active in my sort of, I guess, support for yeah. women's rights when yeah. it comes to abortion, like going and counter-protesting next to the <laughs> guys down that. at Hackley Park. Classic. Outside Christchurch Hospital and whatnot. Yeah. But I sort of, after the um, overturning of Roe v. Wade and watching all the sort of noise uh, here around that, you know, politicians and whatnot sort of chiming in, I was just like, feel like this might be the week that is a good week to share that because, and and then then the decision to talk to the Herald was like, I was like, oh gosh, you know, you talk on your podcast, that's your your listenership. You, your yeah. mug's on the front of the Herald on Sunday. <laughs> it's kind of a different story. But yeah. the decision more so was about the fact that, as I say, there's so much noise and so many people talking mm-hmm. and there's so many people angry, but we still, as women even though that's all happening, no one's actually talking about their own. No. Because we still we still feel that shame and stigma. And I was just like, I'm so sick and tired of other people controlling this narrative. Yeah. It's not their narrative. And we need to, if you know, we're not in America, but if there's one thing we can do, we can help flip the conversation yeah. so that women control it, so that yes. women control the conversation. And so that was the decision that I based sharing my story. Cause it's like, it is ultimately no one's business, but if I have to do that mm-hmm. in order for other women to feel okay and comfortable and let's remove the shame and stigma, which isn't ours. No, it's not ours. Yeah. So if the more we can do that and, and flip it here and make it damn clear to politicians that 
nothing remotely can happen like has happened in America, then that's a bit of the job done, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's so powerful. It's one thing to yeah go out and, and, and say your stance on things, but I think there is an undeniable power when you open up about your own experience. It just humanizes the whole situation a little bit because I think you can look at all this noise online and people have all these opinions, but actually when you break it down and you share your experience, how can someone not have empathy for that? And I think that is where the power is. That's where the conversations need to lie. It's like listening to these people's experiences and that's why it's such an important issue. And because for far too long, women haven't held the conversation. Yeah. Or shared the stories because of this particular set of, uh, will we call it values? I don't know. But, you know, if you think, like, in 2020, Mm. 13,000 women had abortions. Um, And so a lot of women have had them. And for whatever reason. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's Um, no one else's business. Some are uh, for not being ready. Some Some are literally life or death. Exactly. So you just go, well, hang on a minute. Why are we sort of still kowtowing to a minority voice that's not relevant to us? Yeah. So a a lot of sort of religious views are what lead and drive this shame and stigma. But if you're not religious, why are we worried about that? Yeah. But we've been scared and and feel awful because they use horrific words to describe what we're doing and really can get quite feral the you know I mean I'm not I'm not religious but I don't think God wants you to be an asshole like that no but, um, but it's like it's trying to be like oh stay out of it you don't have to have one that's the <laughs> no, beauty of exactly. it exactly um but you've got you have got absolutely nothing to do with my life so the more you can sort of push back on that and go good for you I do not go to your church on a Sunday and stand outside with a sign saying God isn't real. Yeah. Even though Because that probably- happened to you, eh? Were you running around Hagley and that's when you saw it was outside hospital and they had all these placards and stuff? Yeah, COVID happened, but then I went back with my signs. And I did say that to one of the guys. Fortunately, the common theme is it mm. tends to be the space is dominated by mm. men. But um, And I said to him, dude, like, I don't, I don't believe in God, but I don't get in your way mm. of that. Yeah. And I don't go to your church and stand outside yep. saying God isn't real. Like, I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah. And so why do you think you can come here and, and, and shame people and stand outside a place where people are sick and vulnerable? And so keep having those conversations. Mm. And, just, and, and part of the reason I keep sharing that on social media and stuff is if people can finally not be intimidated by that mm. and just treat it like white noise, the better it is. Because, you know, I, I, I did that article and... I had thousands and thousands of messages, and I'm not kidding you, only a handful, only a handful of negative ones, which I just deleted. Yeah. And there's nothing that those negative ones will do to hurt me because I know what I already know what they think. Yeah. I already know yeah. what they think. And you're never and you're never and I just don't think you're ever going to probably agree on that. You know, there are some people that you just literally you probably won't. No. And and you can't change their mind. No. But they can't change mine. So it's like hmm. I'm not going to engage with you, but what you think about me doesn't actually matter. And so the more you can remind women that these five men standing with these shitty signs at hospital, just ignore them. Just ignore that. It's got nothing. Don't worry about them. So that's sort of 
part of the motivation to sort of, you know, you pick your battles and this yeah. is one worth fighting. Well, because I read that when, you know, you went through it at 25, you did feel a lot of stigma and shame and, and all the emotions that come with it. Did you feel a sense of liberation and... um like a weight off your chest once you shared it? Or I suppose, like, you would have talked to so many people about it over the years, probably. Well, it's a funny one because you sort of, like, yeah, you it, it's it's a weird feeling letting uh, so many people know what ultimately is very personal mm. and very private, but yeah. you're deciding that for a, a purpose that's not Great just, hey, here's my story. It's a, sort of a bigger picture. So it's quite it's actually quite a weird feeling. And then you sort of, forget about you're like sort of get on with your day you know i went to the warriors but then you know a handful of people like oh my god i just read your article oh yeah shit that happened today yeah 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 but you know yeah as i say you you sort of go when i decided to do that article it was like what will be the value in this and if the value is a few women feel more comfortable and we can sort of just keep shifting the control to back to women of the narrative then that's worth it so it has been worth it what is the biggest thing you've done over the years that has sparked criticism oh <laughs> oh gosh that's a really tricky question that's like that's gone down yeah. badly you mean yeah or or anything you've said or comments that has just sparked a negative response i suppose you're not really that controversial i wouldn't say you're you know you're out there no, to I- fire people up no, I think the only thing that I've, I'd, oh God, I hope not. I mean, <laughs> crikey, I can't think of anything that has gone really badly. I've upset a lot of people when I said that reversing your car into a car park is a waste of time. But what? <laughs> seriously, <laughs> but like, not see that means that it's not not so dramatic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there are a lot of people in the, in the industry that, you know, have had have had those moments, but I don't think I've ever sort of needed to do anything. I don't think so. But then gosh, someone might dredge something up. Just or yeah, no. I mean, I would I, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that I annoy and that's also fine. Well, that um you're never going to please everyone. You can't be liked by everyone. That's a great learning as well. My gosh, when yeah. you realise not everyone likes you, that's a fantastic day when you can park that. When do, when do you reckon you fully realised that that was something you had to accept? Because I think so many of us try and please everyone and it just wrecks us. I think it was probably um, around like three or four, early 30s yeah. type thing. Yeah. And But it has probably elevated more being out on my own. Um, without the sort of pressures, the added pressures of of whoever you may be working for, you know, you've got to be proud of what you what you are and what you're about. You, you can't please everyone, you, yeah. you know, like you absolutely can't. And definitely, that's been something in the past sort of three or four years. That's really sort of I've really learned about. And comparison kills joy. No way, it's a yes. thief of joy. It uh, is a comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah, absolutely. I love that saying. It's so key. It is like it's. It is a very, very good one. That's one of Gracie's zingers. That's always she's always got real wise quotes. Really? Like, oh gosh, you're wise. <laughs> I mean, so no, you you bang on with that one. It's and we do tend to do that a lot in New Zealand, which is just a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, and tall poppy syndrome is very much still prevalent here. I think in New Zealand. Do yeah, you reckon? I think what I think about that is that's it is unfortunate, and I think a lot of it. You know, we're we're, we're small country. And we struggle with 
how we sort of view or treat people that are either called celebrities or famous or whatever, because it's not really that kind of culture because chances are your cousin's auntie's sister <laughs> yeah. taught Hillary Barry. Yeah, you know? everyone like, is connected. Yeah, so the, the concept of people being famous or celebrity, we just kind of get a bit uncomfortable about those words. And then again, like a very similar thing in terms of people with profile is there's this like sort of sense of ownership of them. And mm. while you decided to be in the public eye, so you're fair game. Yes. And it's like, to a degree, yes. But what I think is a really cool thing to be able to do, and I think we've probably started doing it a lot more, particularly within the industry, is actually prop each other up, mm. which is very contagious. Like yes. when you see, you know, the likes of yourself, you know, I had a, I did a wonderful podcast with, with Bree Thomas L the other week and, when you actually hear people lifting each other up, it's very, very contagious. Yes, 100%. And I feel like a lot more of that's happening. Yes. And I think it puts a real human element to people. And so... You realise you're all in, like, this game together and you're not... You, why do you need to see each other as competitors or opponents? It's like we can actually kind of go and do our thing and also work together at the same time, yeah. in a weird way. And, and I think for people that are interested in following your careers and that when, you know, that can sort of knock down, that can knock down that tall poppy stuff as well. Mm. Cause if you're like, oh my gosh, they're all like, they're all just normal people that are friends and cool and lifting each other up. It's, it, it sort of can have a good flow on effect, I reckon. I wonder if we see the likes of like Taka Waititi and, and all these Kiwis doing well more often on like a global scale. I wonder if that kind of eliminates the tall poppy over time because yeah like as kiwis we kind of get behind that now you know yeah it's like well, shit yeah go tiger another movie Woo! oh yeah he's he's absolutely peaking he's a legend. At the moment. My yeah gosh you know oh. he's everywhere i love it um yeah i think it will always be there maybe it'll die out like maybe it'll die out like it's a generational kind of thing mm. maybe Brody, you are a legend. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look to you as an inspiration because it's just freaking cool to see a woman getting out there doing it, seeing her vision, living out her vision. And, um, yeah, you're a fucking legend. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, dolls. And I'm right back at you. Like, <laughs> mutual admiration society coming right through for you. You're an absolute rock star. <laughs> that for a smooth ending hey <laughs> i'm so awkward at wrapping things up i hate it it's just not one of my strengths uh brody kane there of course always down for a good chat if you don't follow her already on instagram brody jean kane is where you can find her and as i said when she features her mum joe kane even better um and the girls uninterrupted podcast uh they just recently went on a bit of an nz tour where they did a bunch of live shows which looked really cool if you haven't heard their podcast i highly recommend checking it out the girls uninterrupted and um if there's anyone you think would be great for a chat on the potty uh, they don't have to be famous someone who's got a really great life story someone who's been through a bit of adversity and come out the other side I'd love to hear from you uh, maybe you personally know them because I think like a bit of an inspirational story going into the end of the year could be quite nice so get in touch with me on the PJ Podcast Instagram page and we'll see what we can work out I'll see you next week for a brand new app
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.